This week's podcast proudly brought to you by Kent Cartridge. See, I made the mistake of buying the cheapest shot shells I could find when I first started duck hunting, and I would literally I'd watch feathers fly off of birds as they gave me a middle finger and flew off unscathed. That's when I switched over to Kent, and I was bartending and waiting tables at the time in college, and money was tight, but Kent offered me a great product at a fair price, and I've never looked back. Of course, now we have uh, Fast Deal 2.0. They just released Fast Deal Plus for this upcoming season, and with Dove season on the horizon, we've got Steel Dove, and then Teal Steel for early teal season. Whatever your shotgunning needs are for this fall, Kent has you covered. You can find all of their products at Kent Cartridge. This week's show brought to you by Ducks Unlimited, an organization that I've been plugged into for, gosh, over 15 years now. From the Alaskan wilderness to the Atlantic Flyway, across America's Great Plains, and down the Mississippi Delta, Ducks Unlimited has been leading the way in wetlands conservation since 1937. The DU family has ensured the protection of over 16 million acres of waterfowl habitat. Think about that. So, come join us. You too can carry on DU's conservation legacy. Visit ducks.org to find your local event and join our volunteer team, Ducks Unlimited, the world's leader in wetlands conservation. Good morning, good morning. Cable Smith, welcome in everybody into episode 700. That's right, the big 700 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here. If that one doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. Likely, maybe you don't even know who that is. Uh, but if you are a product or if you grew up in the 90s, uh, then that Weezer Blue album, man. It's one of my favorites of all time, and that is one of my favorite guitar licks, period, only in dreams. Uh, that one, mid-90s, I think I was in sixth grade, and I had one of those, and this was like my prized possessions, but I had a five-disc CD player stereo system in my room, and I would shake the entire house with that thing. Uh, that, and I think one of my other earliest records i ever purchased was aerosmith's get a grip yeah that one slapped too slap that's what the kids call it today whatever that means but i think it means something good so uh, and of course i'm trying to be hip uh with my 10 year old son who by the way if i showed him a photo of or tried to explain what a compact disc player was he'd probably be like what blank stare i don't understand dad you know it's so convenient you just tell alexa what you want to hear and it's the stereo is the size of like a, you know, a container of Pringles. It's insane. Man, times have changed. I hope one day, though, because I did this with my dad's A-Track collection. That's where I first discovered ZZ Top. Not that we had an A-Track player in the house, <laughs> but that's where I was like, ooh, what is, what is ZZ Top? How do I get my hands on that? Where I can actually listen to it, because the A-Track itself is a defunct piece of technology. Uh, but I hope one day... My son goes through all of my CDs because I still have them all. 
and uh and discovers what real rock and roll is i tr- you know i played in the truck and he's casually interested sometimes but more often than not uh he prefers stuff like shane smith and the saints and turnpike troubadours which i guess is also winning right anyway i'm getting old and i'm embracing it you know it's it's not so bad getting old it's not so bad celebrating 700 episodes which uh i guess is just a minor achievement but hey we're not slowing down I guess if we get to a thousand episodes, that that would be an achievement. Anyway, thank you so much for being here and, and celebrating episode seven hundred with me. Uh, it's it's hard not to celebrate this time of year. I mean, deer hunting season is here. Uh, it's been here for a lot of you out west. Um, you know, archery seasons have long been open, but for those diehard rifle hunters or you know the folks who haven't picked up a bow or don't even own a bow, there's nothing wrong with that either. Uh, I have not whitetail hunted with a bow one time this year, and it's based solely on the fact that, uh, you know, I haven't seen a buck on camera. That really piqued my interest. But I do have one now. And as these bucks will do, they'll start moving around this time of year, and you'll see new faces and new places on your cameras. It's uh, it's awesome. With <laughs> I get so pumped when that happens, by the way. I know you guys do, too. What are we doing today? Well, let me tell you, you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of Granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos because we are ready to rock and roll. And off the top, uh, someone who's been here for the uh, duration, all 700 episodes, will join us in studio. We'll get her take on this wild ride and uh, what it's been like living with someone who's I keep, you know, I keep moving the goalpost on this wonderful woman. Uh, but starting out back in the day, we were just talking about hunting in Texas. There weren't any, you know, moose hunts in Canada and 14-day safaris in Africa. And uh, coming up here very soon, a week-long hunt for coos deer in Mexico. So God bless this woman. Oh, and I really pushed the envelope in September of this year. That was the longest elk hunt I've ever done. It was like 14 days. Uh, And things have changed too, because kids weren't a part of the equation when all of this started. Of course, now they are and wouldn't have it any other way, but that presents its own set of logistical challenges, certainly this time of year, right? So yeah, Erin will be here and we'll get her take on when did she finally buy into this thing because she was super supportive but did she really think this would work could you make a living hosting a hunting and fishing talk show uh i don't know i'm sure there'll be a few laughs uh, when she sits down in the studio with us in just a second and then at the uh bottom well we'll say the majority of the show because if i can get aaron to do one segment that'll be good she doesn't like having the microphone put in her face but maybe she'll warm up to the idea once we get going Uh, but after that we're going to talk cartridges and performance with our old pal john mcadams of the big game hunting blog certainly an authority on um, bullet construction and how different bullet designs perform once they impact an animal Uh, so things like cup and core versus copper and bonded um like and how do copper bullets which are often monolithic how do they perform at distance? And and we'll so we'll get into the pros and cons because certainly non-toxic, i.e. copper bullets, are more expensive and harder to find. Is the uh, the juice worth the squeeze? 
We'll uh, we'll find out and pick John's brain on all things bullet construction and how you can expect that construction to play out in the field once your finger has pulled the trigger. Uh, so looking forward to uh, sitting down with our old friend John McAdams here in just a little bit. That is what's on the docket for today. Got to be a good one. I guarantee you that. And to celebrate episode 700, we're going to have a great giveaway today. I've got a set of Vortex Viper 10x42 HD binos. They retail for, I think, like 550 bucks. Uh, Vortex was nice enough to send me a pair. And we're going to get them into one of your hands here in short order. Uh, just email 700. That's 700 to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. And you are entered into today's drawing for the Vortex Vipers. Coming up next, my better half begrudgingly joins us in studio on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Just like a cannonball, landing in a fishbowl, broke glass and everything. What a treasure. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use eForms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. And when we get behind closed doors, when she lets her Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here as we're all set to uh, check in with my much better half. We've got a, uh, and I totally forgot about this, our 15-year anniversary coming up on November the 15th. Yes, I know. Right in the middle of hunting season, specifically the rut, but uh, yeah, I think the conversation went down like this with my mother-in-law. Um, are you going to pay for the wedding? And I quickly looked at my bank account, which had like probably $7 in it. I was like, no. She's like, okay, well then get your ass there on November 15th. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, Aaron is set to join us here in just a second. This segment is brought to you by all seasons feeders, blinds, and barbecue pits. You can find it all right there at allseasonsfeeders.com. And without further ado, joining us now, begrudgingly, I might add, uh, it is my pleasure to welcome my bride, Erin Elizabeth Smith, back to the show. All right, love, welcome to episode 700. Wow. <laughs> You're impressed, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Yay. Uh-huh. How's, how's hunting season going so far? Um, so far, fine. I feel like we're about to get into the... The good part. The, the stressful part. Uh-huh. Uh, what are your rut predictions? Think what, it's going to be a good season? What does that mean? Like, when the are the bucks going to be rutting hard? Lots of movement? 
Um, Will I be running hard when I come home? Based on the fact that it's going to get hot this weekend, no. (laughs) I will definitely be. I think that's uh, one of life's great or not so great realities for the hunter's wife, though, is that, you know, you're stretched real thin with the kids, doing soccer practice, keeping this house from falling apart, literally. And then the husband gets home and it's like, let's have some alone time. (laughs) There's just not enough of y'all to go around. (laughs) You're so red right now. Your face is bright red. Speechless. She's speechless. Um, Remember where the show started? Yes. Where? In my parents' dining room. Uh-huh. Why are your eyes watering? <laughs> I don't know, because I'm laughing. <laughs> yes. Silently laughing. Uh-huh. And did you think back then, almost 15 years ago, that we'd still be doing this or that it was a realistic way to make a living? Um, No, I actually was telling some of my coworkers that story just the other day. They were asking how this started. I haven't heard this story. About how your show started? No, no. About you didn't say yes. I thought you could make a living doing this. So there's obviously some trepidation there. Oh, or doubt. No, I mean I don't know that there's a story there. I just sure I worried. I mean I I have a normal job where I mm-hmm. go to work and I have a steady paycheck and a steady you know hours that I work and steady days that I get off every year and that seems normal to me. You do not have that. What do I, I mean? What do, what do I do for a living, according to you? Hunt. Uh, whatever you want. You do whatever you want. I don't think that's true. But uh, kind of. I mean, you can take days off of work to go hunt, weeks, but you can't weeks. take days off of work to just go have lunch with me when I have a day off. Because you've got to work. Work. I don't have no comment. I think this is the best comment. Yeah. There. yeah. <laughs> well, how, somehow we've made it work for almost 15 years. And, uh, but I do think there's a silver, silver lining there by working from home. Absolutely. I still get to be very involved with the kids. Absolutely. Yeah, the travel is some, this time of year, uh, demanding. It's not even just this time of year. It used to be this time of year and now it's this time of year and then the spring time of the year, and then the summer time of the year. And what is during the spring? Turkey. Oh, oh yeah. And, and what, now you think you need to go turkey hunting for yourself as well as take all of our children turkey hunting. Well, I think that's uh, a very, I think that's something a good father would do. Sure. It just still <laughs> leaves me at home. You can come with us. I, I feel like you're maybe. How many you know, times have you been invited to Africa? The answer is six, because that's how many times I've gone to Africa. How many times have you assisted in finding something to do with our children for the 14 days you're gone? Every time. No. <laughs> uh, I help a little bit on that front. Again, no comment. Mm-hmm. This is not going as well as I had hoped it would. Uh. <laughs> What has been your favorite memory that we've made hunting or fishing? Um, I mean, I think probably some of my favorites are like happening every year. Now, like in the coming years or in the 
can we back up just a little bit? Can you ask me that question again? What would you say? <laughs> you could just edit that out. Uh, yeah, I'm a professional broadcaster. I can do whatever I want. Uh, Please don't leave that <laughs> in. <laughs> what would you say has been your favorite memory that we've made in the outdoors? I think that my favorite memories are the ones we've made recently as the kids have gotten older and they have been able to go with us. Um, one being this last season when, or this dove season when Henry shot his first dove. Um, and not only was he excited, but also just to see how excited the girls were when he shot it. I was I think it was more surprised, not so excited. I mean, the kid had shot thirty four shells and missed every time <laughs> leading up to that one. Yeah, but I mean, when the, the girls finally fell out of the sky. The we girls were, like, were oh so God. happy for him, and you know, Henry, who shows little emotion sometimes, I it was exciting that the girls were there to really make a big deal about it. Henry let his guard down for a moment. Yeah, and was like vulnerable. And yes, excited. Yes, because he's sure. very he's very stoic. Yeah, for uh, sure. But I would say for you and I, probably when we go, when we've gone and done things where I've done a better job than you, like when I caught the bigger snook. Oh, yeah. That was my 40th birthday party I, that I got showed up at. You showed me up. Yes. And there's your snook right there. Yes. <laughs> I have a lovely mount of it. <laughs> Which you were so excited about. Yes. Thank what you. Is, what goes through your mind when I shoot? An animal. The first thing. Can you leave it there? <laughs> <laughs> what, what Do you that? have to bring it home? The head? Right. Do you have to bring the head home? Because you're about tapped out on mm-hmm. mounts in the house? Mm-hmm. When we moved we five still have years plenty ago. Of space, by the way. When we moved five years ago, you told me... I am not going to do to the walls in this house like I did in our first house. And I'm going to put up our mounts in a very tasteful way. It started that way. Um, in the first 10 minutes that we were hanging them, yes. And then <laughs> in the next 10 minutes that we were hanging them, you can barely walk into the room without getting your eye poked out. Well, I haven't exactly stopped hunting. And more animals just keep showing up. Well, maybe we could start start a rotation system. Uh, what about the actual meat, though? I like it a lot. I think whenever you first started hunting, I didn't love venison. Um, but now it almost, when we buy, which I realize you don't buy, but sometimes when you're out of town and I buy ground beef Blasphemy. to cook... Because I didn't pull any out and I need something to cook that night. Um, it almost smells weird and tastes weird. I, you can definitely smell it and I don't like it. Yeah. I, I still like steak. Like I, I like. Uh, but ground meat, ground beef definitely smells weird. Too. Yeah. yeah. And so that's certainly changed for you. Mm-hmm. And I love you for that. There's one, there's one and I don't remember what it is that I, I don't like. Bear? Yeah. No, one of the... The smell. Oh, you said one time uh, black buck was real metallic Oh, yeah. Is that the one every time you cook it, I'm like, oh, no. I don't... that's bear that you can smell. Not the smell, the taste. I'm no. talking about the taste. Yeah. yeah. But the bear is the one that without fail, you're like, oh, I don't... it yeah. smells different. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we don't have any of that. We left. do. 
Oh. <laughs> maybe I just maybe I just don't cook it as much because I know you don't enjoy it. But My favorite was some. moose. For sure. Yeah. Which I have a hunt booked for twenty twenty five, so yes. What does that look for? I wasn't aware of that. You were that aware time. of that. No. Well, I would say no back place to like uh, right here than to drop that on you. Uh-huh. Back to are you the... aware of some of the hunts coming up? Argentina this spring. Africa That's the one this... I'm going on. Argentina. Oh, so you're you going to needed... finally go on a trip now. Yeah, you needed to find childcare. Here's the deal: is that we don't. I invite you to these places because we're going hunting. You want to go like do touristy stuff, and. That's not in. That's not allocated in the the schedule because I'm very precise. I don't spend an extra night in Africa. I get on a plane and come home because I don't, I don't need you once I'm there. Oh, oh, okay. So you're just gonna go <laughs> off and gallivant around Argentina, drinking wine and eating steak. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't think that's the area we're gonna be in. We're going to hunting camp, but you're, you're, you're we're closer to, to that part of Argentina in the hunting part of Argentina than I am to that part of Argentina right now. So let's change the subject. Should Henry go to Africa this summer? I'm going to be sad if he gets to go to Africa before I do. You've been invited every time. <laughs> he, he's never but been yes, invited. Sure. He's, sure. He, he should go. He said yes. on the first Are you, invite. are you going to fly with him? Uh, I feel like you're alluding to something that I'm not sure I wanted to discuss. You mean, am I going to use my MX points and go first class and make him ride back in the back by himself? I would never do that to him. Okay. I'll save my MX points. Okay. Which that's the only reason. And here's good advice too. If you're going to fly internationally for, let's just say to Africa is 14 hours to the Middle East, then nine hours to Johannesburg. That's what? 23 hours on the plane. It's nice to be able to lay down. And not have someone touching you, which I did four times. Uh, and then my buddy made the mistake of upgrading me with his points. And the first thing I did was went and got an Amex and then put everything on it and still didn't have enough to, I still had to pay the balance. It was like $2,000 to fly first class, which is what a regular ticket costs. So no, Henry and I will be riding in the back. Maybe Henry shouldn't go to Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's the solution. Um, what is... What would you say is the most ridiculous thing that hunters do? The most ridiculous thing? Get up early? You get up at 4 a.m. to go to work. I understand, but I think there's a, for you personally, Uh it is like pulling teeth to get you out of bed in the morning. (laughs) I don't disagree. I mean, pulling teeth to get you out of bed. I usually set four alarms. I even... You know, I can remember back in the day when we used to go do the turkey trot on Thanksgiving. And it was like, oh, I don't want to wake up that early. I don't want to do that. But you have one alarm go off on a day that you're going hunting and you are out of bed and you're like Mr. Sunshine. I'm probably already awake before the alarm goes off. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know if that's for all hunters, but that's definitely for you. I think a lot of us suffer from that. I don't know what it is. Um, what would you say is the most? I think getting up early and going and sitting, sitting in the cold, cold rain, wind, chilled to the bone. You don't see anything. Uh, yeah. Those, when you get home some days, it feels ridiculous saying, what did you, you what happened? What did you see? How was the hunt? Didn't see anything. Just froze my ass off. Yeah. But, but 
I would go and do it again the next day. Yeah. Yeah. That is probably one of my other favorite memories is sitting in the deer blind with the girls when we are not intending to shoot anything. We're just there to see the animals. Uh And we typically have some card games and some hot chocolate and we just hang out Do you in the ever deer see blind. Any wildlife? Yes. We see a lot of animals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we see a lot. What about deer camp? Um it's great. I like going to deer camp. Yeah. Did uh-huh. you ever think of yourself as a person that would enjoy going to deer camp? Um I mean think it's super far fetch. I mean, my grandparents lived on a farm when I was growing up. And mm. so your grandfather used to shoot deer while he was taking a dump out of his bathroom window. Yeah. On the second that's, story that's of how the, the house. Legend goes. Yes. <laughs> he used to have a, a rifle sitting by the bathroom mm-hmm. by the toilet and the wind, there was a window right by the toilet and the back side of the house looked through the back part of the pasture right onto the like tree line. And mm-hmm. so the deer would come out of the tree line sometimes. And he had been known to shoot a deer from there. I got a pair of, uh, a couple pairs of, of grandfather Orville's boots, one mm-hmm. or sea turtles, which you can't even buy anymore. I think they're worth a lot of money. Yeah. That's a pretty cool, mm-hmm. uh, little piece of family history that I yeah. inherited. So, I mean, we would be on on their farm as a kid growing up and would, you know, be out when the sun came up and home when the sun went down and dirty and hot and gross. And so, I mean, it's not completely far-fetched. Do you think you'll ever shoot a deer? No. So quick to answer that. Yeah, no. Uh, you've shot at birds before. Would you ever shoot a shotgun at a bird again? I mean, maybe I'd try. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is it scares me when the gun goes off. I close my eyes and therefore I can't see what I'm shooting at. You shot a rabbit with a spotlight? I did shoot a rabbit. Uh I forgot about that. And then you had the millipede crawling on you, like trying to get up Mm -hmm. here. Because you were very stylish. You had on a dress and boots when you shot it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apparently those things are poisonous. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Well, I promised I wouldn't keep you for more than 15 minutes. Do you think we'll make it uh, another 15 years and... 700 episodes i hope so i wasn't talking about us i, was, I mean i was talking more about the show but i think you might be interpreted as us like, no i <laughs> no i hope you do with the show i hope you do i think you, I, you've done uh you turned this corner like three or four years ago because every late november early december you'd have like a breakdown and like lose it on me a little bit just from the traveling and stuff you don't do that anymore, and I don't know if it's because the kids are older, A, or B, you don't love me as much as you used to, so you don't really care. I think the kids, although now they have all of the events, they are at least easier to take care of. Because they, they can make their own cereal yes. and wipe their own butts and all that yes. stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. But I mean, this Saturday, when you're out of town, uh-huh. I have four soccer games in a matter of four hours that are on four different sides of the Metroplex. Sounds fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how would we usually attack that? I would do two and you would do two. Yeah. Right. But good luck with all four. There are things that I miss though. Like uh, it's opening weekend of deer season and you guys have six flag passes through your work and I'll miss that and I'll miss all the soccer games. And I think that often is overlooked. Like, yeah, it's fun and 
uh, deer camp is fun and going on hunting trips is a blast, but you certainly miss things along the way and you, you wish you could do both, but it is still a job. I know you said you do whatever you want whenever you want. Um, but opening weekend of deer season, it's kind of like mandatory attendance. Yeah. It's unfortunately also the opening day of duck season and dove season and turkey season. Opening day of dove season though is fun because you include the whole family on that. Listen, the whole family is always invited for all of it. We have four soccer games. Yeah, you can't miss those. So I guess you'll have to decline the invitation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I was invited, right? You're invited. You're invited. Always. Just like to Africa. Every time. Just got to find child care for two weeks. <laughs> I'll help you. Mm-hmm. By putting an well, ad I on Facebook? I put an ad on Facebook. <laughs> For a, a nanny for for November, and you got mad at me that I would ask someone to try to you know get help to watch our kids. That is not how we take care of that. I thought I was being very proactive on that front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to make things happen for us. Mm-hmm. You didn't think so. All right. Well, I'll let you get out of here. I love you more than ever, and uh, thanks for being so supportive throughout all of the years and all of the trips. I couldn't do it without you. You're the best. You're the best. Okay, that's what I thought. All right. <laughs> love you. Love you. So there she goes. The lovely Mrs. Smith. Uh, the one that keeps this train trucking along on the straight and narrow. And has for some time now. Uh, blessed to to be in the foxhole with her. No doubt about it. Uh, that segment of the show was brought to you by Big and Jay whitetail attractants you can find their entire lineup of whitetail and hog attractants at bigandj.com up next john mcadams of the big game hunting blog joins us we're going to talk bullet construction and performance right here on the lone star outdoor show at the end of a walk when you tip her back She's a beautiful sight because she's Texas like that. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, a full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Little Zach Bryan bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Uh, this segment of the show brought to you by the Stealth Cam Deceptor Cellular Camera. Impeccable nighttime quality imaging. Uh, absolutely the best I've ever seen, by the way. And you can pick one up at stealthcam.com. And by the way, dude, I had somebody send me a message on uh, Instagram the other day. He's like, why do you like Zach Bryan? Uh, I was like, well... Because like he's making country music country again, and he's like, he's he sucks. He's Nashville. He's overproduced. But I was like, Zach, we talking about the same Zach Bryan? Clearly, you don't know anything about what Nashville sounds like. It's all it's like a mashup of rap 
and overproduced doo-doo. I mean, Luke Bryan, Florida Georgia line. I don't even know some of the other ones these days because I try not to pay attention to that stuff. I was like, Zach Bryan sounds absolutely nothing like those guys. And kind of saving country music. The fact that he is playing sold-out shows all over the United States in massive arenas with this with his sound. I was the guy was like, well, he doesn't sound like uh, Robert O. King or Roger Kreger or Pat Green. And I was like, well, did few people sound like the you know golden era of Texas red dirt music? But that, does that does that make uh, Turnpike Troubadours suck? Shane Smith and the Saints not any good. No, they're awesome. Some of my favorites, right? Uh, and besides, oh, then he followed up with, well, he was disrespectful to law enforcement. I was like, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's unfortunate, but look at Johnny Cash's infamous mugshot. You don't think that Waylon Jennings got in trouble with the law? How many times has Willie been arrested for smoking weed or tax evasion or whatever his latest thing is? And then and then he's followed up with, well, he's a liberal douche. Okay, well, Willie's at the top of that list uh, if you look at his politics. Uh, Jason Isabel, Ryan Bingham, golly, he's egregious. Oh, and then there's Tyler Childers' Brokeback Mountain video, which I will be honest, he's kind of fallen out of my rotation ever since that. But that's to each their own. And if we're going to, and I had to make this decision to be like, well, do we just boycott all of these folks? Well, then what are you going to listen to? And take it a step further, what are you going to watch? Because you're not going to watch movies, you're not going to watch sports. Because all of that stuff is pushing one uh, set of ideals on us. So I think, you know, where you spend your money, yeah, yeah, it's important. Uh, maybe you just don't listen to music. <laughs> Entertainers don't, by and large, think like the rest of us. So I don't know. It's a catch-22. But I believe Zach Bryan is uh, one of the best things going right now. And I like the fact that so many people who don't know what country music really sounds like are catching on. And a lot of that is because of his popularity. So uh, anyway, I'm not going to stop playing it. With that rant over, <laughs> let's bring on our next guest, longtime friend of the show, an authority on all things calibers, cartridges, bullet performance, uh, firearm history, literally a walking encyclopedia of knowledge. It is my pleasure to welcome the big game hunting blogs, John McAdams, back to the show. Good morning, Cable. It's great to be here. Always a pleasure to uh, join you on your show. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Um, so has your whitetail season started yet, or do you even own a bow? I do not own a bow, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my deer season is going to start next week when I go to New Mexico for mule deer. And then uh, a couple weeks, we, uh, excuse me, a couple weekends after that, I'm going to go hunt whitetail out here in East Texas. Okay. So did you draw a tag or did you buy a landowner yep. tag? What's uh, what's up with New Mexico? Yep. I drew a mule deer tag down in Southern New Mexico. I used to live in El Paso mm -hmm. and I drew a tag in the same unit I used to hunt back when I lived out there. Uh, so I'm, it's been a couple of years since I've been out there, but it was one of these units that not a super primo unit or any of that stuff with super giant bucks, but I always had a good time going out there. I'd always see stuff. And, um, I'm going to take my seven-year-old son with me. And it's one of these units too, where the hunting is challenging enough to be interesting, but not so challenging that it's really going to just kick his butt or anything on a hunt like this. And so it'll be, I think it'll be a good uh, trip for us out there and hopefully we'll see some stuff and we'll see how lucky we get. 
Well, you're, you'll have a good time with your son on a uh, destination backcountry hunt like that. Either way. Uh, but are there enough deer there? I mean, do you expect to come home with a buck or is this a unit where it's like a eh, 20% success rate and not a great deer herd? Because I've, I've done both in New Mexico. I went on one hunt in the Carson where I saw lots of does and spent a lot of time glassing. Never saw a mature buck for a week. And then went on another hunt where uh, in the Pecos where the weather turned to crap. And I, so I had piggybacked a mule deer hunt on my my dad and his friend's annual backpacking trip. So I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go and I'm going to hunt mule deer while you guys are hiking and fishing and whatever. Um, well, the weather was complete garbage and it was a seven mile hike in uh, to the top of, I think we were at Pegas Baldy. And so there was five or six of us that went in a day early and that's when the weather hit. Well, there was like 12 more guys, including my dad and my brother who and, and keep in mind, they're at the time in their late 60s. And we just called them. It was like, you don't want to come up here. It's too, it's really too dangerous to hike in with all of the ice on the trails. So um, we told them not to come. And we were like, well, we're going to leave early. And on the way out, uh, well, on the way up, I had dropped a pin on some meadows where I was like, there should be deer in here. And so literally hiking out, I shot a, a mule deer buck <laughs> with my muzzle loader. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, in both of those hunts, I didn't see many deer. Like, um, and I think a seven-year-old, that might get a little boring. It might be. So we're going to have to see. The nice thing about this area is I've always seen a good number of deer out mm-hmm. there. Like you say, more does than anything else. But first year I hunted it, I shot a small buck. Uh, he's actually one of the ones on the wall behind me uh, there, right next to the Harlequin. Oh yeah. Let's see here. Let's see. That's, that's it. So not a big mule deer, but my first mule deer. Uh-huh. And then the next year I missed a shot at a much bigger mule deer. And then the next year I went out there, I, um, saw a bigger mule deer, uh, but I just couldn't get closer than about 600 yards to him. Didn't shoot. And that was the last year I hunted at four deer. I've killed two javelina in there. And the nice thing about New Mexico is, uh, there's this part of New Mexico. There's a lot of javelina in there. I've seen probably 20, 30 javelina each hunt. Uh-huh. And if you have a deer or an elk tag in a unit, you can buy a javelina tag for some of these units and just take it in there with you, shoot it if you see it, and you could mm-hmm. use that tag j- during the deer season. So I'm okay. going to do that too. And um, so, you know, maybe we'll get one or the other when we're out there. Oh, well, maybe both. Maybe so. Yeah. High hopes, low expectations. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the way it goes sometimes with hunting. There you uh, go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what caliber are you taking on that? So I'm going to actually bring my seven PRC with me on this hunt. Uh, same rifle I took to Africa earlier this year. I got a Christensen mm-hmm. Arms Ridgeline uh, FFT in seven PRC, and it's one of those rifles that it just it just wants to shoot. Man, I have a 300 mm-hmm. Win Mag that's just like it, and it's just some rifles like you know are just real finicky, and man, you just got to get everything perfect with them. And if you do that, like they shoot great. And this one. It's just very forgiving of my mistakes and everything, and it still just l- lays them in there, and it's easy to carry, and it's left-handed. I'm I'm a left-handed guy, uh, so I said the heck with it. I'm going to take it on another hunt this year, and I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Well, you guys are going to have a great time, no doubt about that. Uh, what an adventure, too, for a seven-year-old. He'll, he'll never forget that experience with you, mm-hmm. um, regardless of whether you get a, a deer or not. Uh, I am going on a uh, a hunt in December, 
one that I've never done before. I'm hunting coos deer. Ah, um, yeah. All right. Have you shot a coos deer? I did. I shot a very small coos deer in Arizona. Once again, back when I lived in El Paso, I drove uh-huh. out to southeastern Arizona, and uh, that was a fun hunt. But man, it was it was challenging, and it was mm-hmm. also in December, like like you talked about. And uh, I I would like to go back and do it again. It's just a matter of finding the time. I, he was a spike on one side and a three point on the other, and so I was happy just to get anything on, sure. on that hunt. A self guided uh, public land coos deer hunt for a guy who'd never done it before. <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said for the success associated with that because I I bet you if you looked at the because certainly in New Mexico and I imagine Arizona is the same way and most of the western states are, you can look at the success rate by unit, and mm-hmm. uh, generally speaking, they're not very high. No, nope. uh, you know is. It, they're lower with archery equipment a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're talking about finding the gray ghost on public land. These little things from what I know about them, very reclusive. Um, they're smaller, obviously. And uh, just to, to get one is an accomplishment on public land. That's how I felt how, about that. Are you going guided? Are you going? Uh, uh, so I'm going with my buddy who is, he's not a guide. Um, but he has, I think because of his own passion for coos deer and mule deer hunting, he's kind of finagled a deer, a, a deal with uh, the Mexican outfitter there to kind of be the American liaison and advertiser. So he invited me to come with him. So anyway, yeah, I'm going to go with my friend Sawyer. And um, the, the good thing about that area is that with this outfitter anyway, they don't really pressure him. I think they kill three or four bucks off of three or four thousand acres every year so should be some very nice deer i've seen pictures of the genetics and if you're talking about a nice coos deer you're talking about you know oh don't pass up a 110 which yeah yeah. which seems crazy right (laughs) yeah really (laughs) think about whitetail um but yeah i'm taking a uh also a prc i'm taking the 6.5 prc ah very good Mm -hmm. that is a perfect coos deer cartridge i think yeah so I, I just got it. Actually, I have it right here. It's a uh, it's a Mossberg long range tactical. Uh, okay. And yeah, six five PRC. So, and you know, I make fun of the six five Creedmoor on a regular basis, and it's mostly tongue in cheek. I have one, you know. I mm-hmm. shoot. I've got a thermal on it. I shoot pigs and coyotes with it. I don't think I've ever shot a big game animal with the six five Creedmoor, and a lot of people do, and that's fine. But I think it's like. Why why has the six five Creedmoor gotten this you know kind of why has it become a punchline? Is it because I think this is the answer? I think it's because Western guys will take it out and shoot elk with it, and it's like okay, you can kill an elk with a six five Creedmoor, sure, one hundred and forty. I think the biggest I've found what it would it be one hundred and forty two or forty three grain bullet maybe. Yeah, that's the about the heaviest you'll find at a factory yeah. load. Uh, you could normal. So why do my, that when you could shoot it with a three hundred wind mag? Like, I or, mean that that's that's how that's, I feel. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Can it be too dead, John? <laughs> <laughs> you know the best trackers all shoot the six five Creedmoor. So yeah, well <laughs> you get a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but so this is not a six five Creedmoor. Six five PRC. Mm-hmm. What it, uh, as far as your understanding, why is this superior? It is better in most ways, but not all, than the 6.5 mm-hmm. Creedmoor. Uh, the one that is going to be, so the two advantages the Creedmoor is going to have over it are magazine size, because the 6.5 PRC uh, is a, uses a fatter case. 
It's, a, it's like mm -hmm. a magnum case, quote unquote, right? So it's going to have a case body similar to similar in size to a uh, 300 Win Mag. You just picture a 300 Win Mag versus a, two, a 270 or a 65 Creedmoor in your head. Fatter, mm -hmm. fatter case. And uh, so you're going to lose probably one round of magazine uh, capacity, and it's also going to have more recoil. But the trade-off is, and the good thing about the 65 PRC is because it's a fatter case, it can push that same weight bullet about 200 to 300 feet per second faster than the 65 Creedmoor. So like Hornady loads that same 143 grain ELDX in both the Creedmoor and the 65 PRC, exact same mm -hmm. bullet. And it's going, I think about 3000 feet per second out of the uh, PRC versus about 2,700 for the 6.5 Creedmoor. And so you're going to see that sort of improvement across the board with, with different bullet weights. There's some cases where, like once again with Hornady, they'll load it with 130 grain CX bullet, whereas in the Creedmoor, they'll load it with 120 grain CX bullet. So you see sometimes heavier bullet, sometimes same weight bullet at a faster velocity. Uh, if you were going to be using it for a uh, Bigger game like elk or something like that, I would say that the 6.5 PRC is probably where a good quote-unquote elk uh, cartridge starts. That's a good yeah. minimum there. Some people call it the 270, you know, but as as the 6.5 PRC is kind of caught on more, some people are starting to lean more towards it. So it shoots flatter, less wind deflection, more kinetic energy, all of that stuff. Tiny bit more recoil, but it's still not bad at all. I have mm -hmm. a 6.5 PRC too. Considering using on this mule deer hunt, but I ended up going with the seven. I'll go on another hunt later this year and use my six five PRC. Gotcha. Oh, uh, well, let's do this, John. Let's knock out a quick break here. We'll come back and get into uh, the meat of today's conversation, different bullet construction types and their associated performance. That segment brought to you by the Vortex Bantam HD Youth Binocular. It's a six point five by thirty two. It's the first bino ever designed specifically for the youth hunter uh, by Vortex. And it retails for under $70. It includes that VIP lifetime transferable warranty. No questions asked. Your kid drops it out of a deer blind. No big deal. You send it in. They replace it for free. It's the Vortex Phantom HD Youth Binocular. You can find it at eurooptic.com where you'll save, uh, what is that? It's 10% uh, off your entire order. All Vortex products, 10% off with that promo code LONESTAR10 when you check out at eurooptic.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I was through Thunderstorms and Tyler Roses Always make me think of you Let me tell you about the Armorside 640 contractor. It is the industry-leading thermal technology in a very user-friendly rifle scope. A 640 Armacore 12 Micro made in the USA Thermal Core. It's got a four-hour onboard recording, four-hour runtime on a full charge, USB and Wi-Fi streaming, uh, eight user-selectable reticles and six color palettes, and the most user-friendly interface out there because you're operating these things in the dark. So uh, that's very important. You can find the contractor, the 640, or its little brother, the 320, right there, 
at Armorsite.com. Looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW? Then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guide scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. We're still visiting with our good friend John McAdams of the Big Game Hunting Blog. We'll pick it back up with John momentarily. This segment, though, brought to you by the Mossberg Patriot Rifle Series. Rugged, reliable, and American-made by America's oldest family-owned firearm manufacturer. You can find the entire lineup from a 22250 up to a 375 Ruger right there at Mossberg.com. All right, well, let's pick it back up with our old friend, John. Before the break, uh, John, we were talking about the 6.5 PRC, which I'll be taking on that uh, Mexico coos deer hunt in december uh i do want to get a seven prc though because i, I do love my seven mag and uh, if it's a seven mag on steroids uh, i want some of that but as far as the six five prc goes this is the bullet i'll be taking uh to mexico it's a norma whitetail six five prc 140 grain bullet i've shot whitetail with um the norma with these normal whitetail bullets before not with this gun but um, I think I've shot them out of the 300 Win Mag, and uh, and I've I've enjoyed the the Norma bullets. They're uh, I don't know when Norma came around, and this is not a plug for Norma. I, I'm not sponsored by them. I don't care. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're what you can. They're readily available online. Mm-hmm. You can buy them in bulk, and I haven't. You know, I have I've been pleased with them anyway. Norma made a very interesting name for themselves, and, and I. I don't know if it was luck or just being a little bit savvy. They're traditionally a European company. I think they're based out of Sweden. Mm-hmm. And that was the market they served for a long time, African hunters, European hunters. And say, for instance, the 6.5 Swede, which is similar in performance to the 6.5 Creedmoor, was one of their staples for a long time. And you could get like 156 grain or even 160 grain bullet in it mm-hmm. uh, from Norma. And so they may actually make the Creedmoor with with that weight bullet from them too. But in 2021, when you couldn't find darn near anything else for ammo in stores, I remember seeing that exact same box of ammo that you had in 270, 6.5 Creedmoor, 30-06, all that stuff on the shelves at Academy and everything. And I think a lot of people got introduced to Norma then because yeah. it was available. <laughs> I think mean, that's the first time I saw it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I don't mm-hmm. know if it just wasn't around before then and they thought, hey, let's try and make our entrance into the market now and this is a good opportunity or if they just got lucky or 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 what. But uh, I have not used it myself. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's a great deer bullet. Um, and and they make other other bullets that I think would be better for uh, use on you know bigger game and elk and, and things like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. that uh, my understanding is, and I think this will actually lead in well to our discussion later, is that that bullet used in that particular load is a very standard cup and core bullet which is great for thin-skinned medium-sized game like deer at moderate velocities now i do remember okay so i have not shot their ammo out of my 300 win mag it's my son's 243 which 
by default because he's usually with me at the deer lease it's become like my truck gun and mm-hmm. so you know i'll have my 300 wind mag for when i'm i'm deer hunting he'll have the 243 but if i see a hog or a coyote or you know whatever running around the 243 is in the truck i just grab it and uh and in the off season i don't take a 300 wind mag as a truck gun so mm-hmm. i when i'm going and filling feeders i just grab his 243 and that 243 ammo in the normal whitetail was always available during covid and so you know i just started using that and he's killed two uh two bucks with that i think it's a hundred grain bullet that he should yeah that's that's what i was thinking uh mm-hmm. that was what it probably was that's a real common bullet weight for yeah. bullets like that in the 243 mm-hmm. but so i've you know we've had a good experience with it and so i i Saw it online and ordered a few boxes. I have not, obviously, the gun doesn't even have a scope on it yet, but uh, that is tomorrow's project. We'll give it a whirl. And I'm going to put this uh, Vortex Venom optic on there. I think it's a 5 to 25 by 56. So that's the that's the whole setup for the uh, the coos deer hunt. Which All uh, right. So it's funny. 30 millimeters kind of become the new standard. Mm-hmm. I bought my first 30 millimeter sco- scope in uh 2018 and that was a big deal for me everything else i'd had before then was had a one inch main body tube and now everything that i have is a 30 millimeter tube except for this one random scope i had to go buy new scope rings for it the other day because i didn't have uh any that could fit it (laughs) yeah i guess i didn't realize that's like the new standard i just knew it was the new standard for me (laughs) like yeah (laughs) but it's funny to see like across the industry that's what people are, are are seeking out Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly for kids, which is I, the first venom I ever got, I, it's on Henry's 243. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I've been shooting that a lot. And I was just like, man, I love this thing for uh, any new any new rifle that I get. Yeah. And especially some of the higher end stuff now, you get a Vortex Viper or a Vortex Razor mm-hmm. or a VX5 or VX6 from Leupold. Those are all going to be 30 millimeter tubes. And some of the really high end stuff is moving to 34 millimeter main body tubes too. So you and I have the same conversation of five or 10 years. We may be talking about how uh, that's our new, our new uh, standard for us is a 34 millimeter. Oh no, dude. Sorry. This is a 34 millimeter. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Yeah. Look at this thing. Yeah. That's a big scope. Yeah. I do not have any 34 millimeter scopes quite yet. Well, you should check that one out. That's pretty sweet. So let's talk bullet construction, and this is a conversation that occurs at water coolers and deer camps across America alike, as uh, you know, any place where more than one hunter is gathered, uh, dudes are always telling their friends why their caliber is better than their buddies. So, <laughs> yep. So when talking about the most common bullet construction options, and I think this is relative because you know Democrat lawmakers, especially the Biden administration, seems dead set on trying to force a lead shot ban across the board. They're running into opposition, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's not a secret. Like, they are trying to do that. That is their goal. Uh, So with that in mind, I think we've seen an increase in the popularity of of copper bullets. I think in California, you have to shoot copper bullets. Mm -hmm. But there are pros and cons. Like, they're not as going back to the normal whitetail. Well, copper bullets are not, you're not going to find copper bullets in the caliber of your choice at every sporting goods store that you walk into. Mm-hmm. They're harder to find for obvious reasons. But let's start with the most common, and I believe that would be a cup and core bullet construction. Sure. So the cup and core bullet is probably your most basic 
type of bullet that's in common use today for centerfire rifles, putting aside, say, just solid lead bullets and, and mm -hmm. things like that, that you would see in a, uh, a, some lever action cartridges, handguns, 22 uh, long rifle, but say a cup and core bullet is really as simple as a copper jacket of varying thicknesses with a bunch of lead swedged down into the middle of it. I have a soft lead tip usually on it. A good example of this is that Norma uh, Whitetail that you just showed us, uh, Remington Core Lock, Winchester PowerPoint. So you mm -hmm. have a cup, which is your copper jacket, and then a lead core inside mm -hmm. of it. And so people call it cup and core. These bullets are very simple construction, just about as simple as you can make it for something like that that'll work in a high-velocity centerfire rifle cartridge. Uh, they're very inexpensive. They usually shoot great, and they work really well for what a lot of people need out of them. Man, you're going to shooting, especially uh, you know, white-tailed deer or something like that, 50, 100 yards, like what a lot of people do. Perfect. N you know, no, nothing at all wrong with that stuff. Um, the problems that you can run into it are... With anything, there's there's trade-offs with all of this stuff. You take those bullets, shoot something with them. Generally, it depends. There's different things you can do to the construction of them to affect their, how they expand. But generally, lead is very soft. Usually, these bullets have a thin jacket on them. And so they tend to expand very well, very rapidly. You don't have to have a lot of resistance to get them to expand. So say you have something that's a low-velocity cartridge, like a 30-30. Shoot a deer behind the shoulders. Don't hit any ribs. It's going to be a low velocity impact, not a lot of resistance. It's still going to expand really well because it's soft. You're going to cause a lot of damage to that deer. Good chance of an exit still at a lot of um, a lot of shot angles with it. And, you know, piece of cake. It works great. The problem is works great at low velocity without a lot of resistance. You get a lot of resistance, especially at a higher velocity. Say like you shoot a seven rim mag with a light bullet that's going really fast. You hit an elk in the shoulder blade with it. It may expand so fast that it comes comes apart and doesn't penetrate very well at all. Uh, that is what happened with John Nosler back in the day. He shot a moose with a 300 H&H. &H. Um, it was a giant animal, very close range. Animal was caked in mud. 300 H&H &H is basically a 300 wind mag. And so he's shooting this thing, very light bullets, very high velocity impacts. And they were, quote unquote, pancaking, where they were just mm. expanding so much they were almost flat, not penetrating hardly at all. And he had to shoot the the moose like nine times, something like that. Hmm. If you would have been using a lower velocity cartridge, like a 30-30, might not have had that problem. Uh, but that is the downside of a cup and core projectile. So uh, one of the things that has happened since then is people have gone to different types of bullet construction that are a little bit tougher in order to provide some better uh, performance under very high velocity impacts and or stuff on really big, really tough animals, elk, moose, Cape buffalo, that sort of thing. One of the what ways is can... a uh, what is a federal power shock? That's also a cup and core bullet. So he struggled with, uh, I mean, having to shoot a moose nine times is no fun. I mm -hmm. shot one with a federal power shock, 180 grain soft point. I shot one with a 300 wind mag. So mm -hmm. similar to what you said he was using 300 H and H. Mm -hmm. this moose was at 60 yards and it just thumped over dead shot him right right through the front shoulder never took another step so a totally different experience i don't know i mean there it is power shock right there yeah not to say actually show it to me again yeah yeah that's yeah. that's that's one of the very traditional uh stereotypical cup and core bullets and so it's not to say there's anything wrong with these bullets people mm -hmm. can and do kill big game with them all the time it's just to say that your performance might be erratic 
What grain times. bullet was? Do you think he was shooting? I don't know. If he was Probably using 100, 180, I don't know if it was 180. I don't know if it was 150. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, this happened back in the 1940s. So you know, who, Much who knows? Has changed. Yeah. Yeah, it has. <laughs> and uh, this is also one of these things too, where you see little bits of variation inside even the cup and core line, where you say you have a Winchester PowerPoint, which is straight up cup and core bullet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's as simple as it can be. You have other bullets that are also cup and core bullets, but with some other different types of features in them to inhibit expansion, like the Remington core lock. The Hornet ELTX is like this as well, where you have that quote unquote ring or that locking mechanism around the center of it that's supposed to um, inhibit core jacket separation. So, uh, you know, a, a Remington core lock is one of the cup the the Remington core lock is one of the quote unquote tougher cup and core bullets that you can use out there. Mm -hmm. uh, another another way to I do have that. A, I have a personal testimony with that. Yeah, yeah. So this is this had to be thirteen or fourteen years ago, and so at the time, oh, I didn't have very many sponsors, and I would go buy the ammo that was the cheapest and mm -hmm. read, readily available, and so I had, um, I think it was a three hundred eight. It was a three hundred eight. Uh, and I went on my first axis deer hunt and I shot an axis deer, a nice buck. I shot him in the neck, um, spot and stalk, got through the gun up against the cedar. He's walking across an opening right at, at dusk and shot him in the neck. Very steady, was confident in the shot and he ran. I was like, what? The? I was expecting him to just drop right there. Uh, and you know, I, it got dark, and so it was like, well, we'll come back in the morning. We'll find him in the cedars close. Nope, found him alive. Puddle of blood. But uh, so I, the, the, I guess the point is I didn't get any expansion. That bullet zipped right through him to where, you know, it, I guess obviously I missed the bone structure mm -hmm. in the neck. But you would think if you hit him square in the middle of the neck um, with a, a bullet of that size, probably 150 grain, 308, you think he'd be dead, mm -hmm. but it was coming in too hot. And like you just said, designed for very little expansion. Yeah, it's designed to, it was going to expand up to a certain point and then not so much anymore instead of just coming to pieces and not mm -hmm. quote unquote pancaking like that. But so you have problems. So that's one of the downsides with any sort of bullet that is, has mechanisms to inhibit expansion. You can have too much expansion on one hand, like John Nosler did, but you can also have not enough. Uh, yeah. at times as well if your bullet is too tough for the situation and it also depends on where you hit the animal too because you know axis deer aren't gigantic animals and you know you got the meat in the neck and especially if you miss the bone there's not too much else there that's gonna have a lot of expansion or a lot of resistance to make it expand when it hits it and you know 308 is not going that fast either it's not slow by any means but it's nowhere yeah. near 300 wind mag velocities either yeah well, you know, you remember the, we all remember the animals we've lost, right? Mm -hmm. As hunters, those ones stick in our crawl more so than the successes. You, mm -hmm. I think about those probably more often than, than the first elk I ever killed with a bow. I'm like, man, I really wish I wouldn't have lost that axis deer 15 years ago, whatever the hell it was. Or, you know, uh, I, I wish I wouldn't have missed that 170 inch mule deer that one time and out where you, you used to live around El Paso. <laughs> Yeah, so this, the case is. this bullet, I don't hold it up to the camera. We'll see how well you can mm. see it. That is a Nosler partition bullet. And so you see 
just almost picture perfect expansion with this mm -hmm. bullet where this bullet is what Nosler designed in response to his experience with the moose where it has a front core and a rear core both are lead have a copper jacket and then you have a solid copper partition like a if you picture it maybe like an h that that crossbar there separates the front and the rear cores to keep them together like that and so the idea being that you're going to have a combination of good expansion and really good penetration too. And so that is one of these bullets that it is a little bit on the expensive side. It's not super duper expensive, but it's a lot more expensive than like a Winchester PowerPoint. But it's also still going to be a bullet that performs great on thin-skinned game, or if you you know shoot an axis deer uh, behind the shoulder or in the neck or a little coos whitetail or something like that, it's going to expand well. But if you shoot an elk or a moose right through the shoulder blade, it's going to be more likely to punch right through that thing and still reach the vitals and, and kill the animal. So that is one way that people have uh, taken steps in the past to make bullets that just perform better across the wide range of game like that. Because, you know, shooting a shooting a coos deer at 400 yards behind the shoulder is one thing and shooting a moose you know, quartering to you at 50 yards is something else. And having one bullet that does both of those things really well is really hard. Mm -hmm. Another way that you can do that is by quote unquote bonding the lead core to the jacket. Uh, what Essentially it's a chemical bonding process that puts them together like that and makes them more difficult to tear apart. And that it is also a way to make a quote unquote controlled expansion bullet. And when it's done right, you'll have a bullet that will still expand. You'll still have that uh, jacket attached to the core. And so it's still going to penetrate well, and it's going to make a big hole because the bullet expands a lot, but it's still going to penetrate well. So it's that, it's that, uh, uh, give and take that you're dealing with there. Nosler so, you, so you mentioned, so we've gone over like, so normal whitetail, um, uh, <laughs> Remington core locked, uh, the federal power shock, uh, Winchester PowerPoint. These are all cup and core. Yep. Cup and core bullets. Yeah. With copper jacket. Yeah. yeah. Let's take a quick break here, John. We'll come back and get into some of the more popular copper and bonded bullets and what you can expect performance wise from those options. That segment of the show brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee and the good folks over at Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. We'll be right back on the Lone Star we'll Outdoor Show. Afraid of the world, afraid of the truth, afraid of each other. This ain't the country my grandfather fought for, but I still see the hate he fought against. In the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat Compact Track Loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. I hear leaves rustle. A big buck walks out below I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus As I let that arrow go It is well It is well with my soul 
welcome to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg. I'm Kevin Smith. It's great to be here with you as we are still visiting, uh, talking all things bullet construction and performance with John McAdams. It's appropriate, too, this being the uh, opening weekend of the general gun season in Texas. But, uh, yeah, we're visiting with John McAdams of the Big Game Hunting blog, and we'll continue that conversation in just a sec. This segment brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I want you to uh, have the opportunity to take advantage of this current promotion we are doing. Here's the cool thing. You and a buddy could win a uh, a fully outfitted lodging, all the amenities, drinks, the whole nine yards. A fully outfitted two-day duck hunt down at the famed Pipkin Ranch with me and my buddy Ryan uh, Warhola, who was nice enough to donate the hunt. Um, but to enter, all you need to do, and you should be a member of SCI already. If you're not, this is going to give you some great incentive to join or just renew your membership. But here's the promo code, CABLE23. Might have given you the wrong code last week. It's CABLE23, and it gets you uh, 25% off your membership or renewal, and you're automatically entered into uh, the fully the whole shebang, the hunt down at the Pipkin Ranch, where we will be hopefully smashing puddle ducks in the face right there in the coastal marshes outside of the Houston area. So, yes, take advantage. Cable 23 and you and a buddy, wife, girlfriend, whoever, could join me down at the Pipkin Ranch the last weekend of the season. So hopefully be super cold and uh, should be a lot of birds. So now that you're aware of that opportunity, let's go ahead and continue our conversation with John McAdams. Before the break, we talked a lot about cup and core bullets, John. Let's switch gears and get into some of the more common copper and bonded bullet options. So bonded bullets, first one that comes to mind for me, Nosler AccuBond, right? It's mm -hmm. even in the name. Federal Fusion is another good example of that. Swift Sirocco, another good one. Uh, the Swift A-frame is a combination of bonded, and then you also have that partition in it like the Nosler partition I talked to you about. So that mm -hmm. Nosler partition isn't bonded, but just has that physical partition. Swift A-frame is has the partition and the front core is bonded, so it's even tougher. So that's a great bullet if you want to go like Cape Buffalo hunting, something like that. Uh, Federal's Terminal Ascent uh, is is in that uh, line of, of doing things too, where that front core is bonded and then the rear core is just a solid copper shank. So once again, you're still going to get good expansion, but it's still going to be really tough and it's still going to penetrate really well. Out of those, the federal fusion is the one that I have personal experience with. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of those that's been around a really long time. It's marketed a lot towards whitetail hunters. It's probably the least expensive bonded right. bullet that, that I can think of too. Mm -hmm. And it works great, right? You you talk to a lot of people. I mean, what what experience have you had with it? Have have your experience? I've never been lost positive? an animal with it. Mm -hmm. uh, I've shot yeah. it primarily, I think, out of my two seventy. You know, Federal really marks markets that bullet as a whitetail bullet, and it's great for it. Yeah, you know, I, and I I hear mm -hmm. a lot of the same sort of testimonials that you just gave me with people that use the fusion. It's not. Uh, real expensive. It's not real high tech or anything, anything sexy like that or anything, but it just, it just works and, and, and people like it and it tends to shoot really accurately and there's not too much else to say about it. Well, and, but the Nosler that you mentioned certainly is an expensive round. All Nosler stuff is more expensive just, right. just across the board. They're, they're premium bullets and there's money, uh, extra money associated with the name. And then their stuff is also just really good. Mm -hmm. Now with bo the bonding process, it is more difficult to 
get a bullet that shoots really accurately that is bonded versus one that is cup and core. The more stuff that you're introducing into the process of making a bullet, the more just bells and whistles you're putting on it, the more chances there are for something to go wrong and for there to be some inconsistencies. For whatever reason, I think it's a proprietary secret that they have. The Nosler AccuBond has a reputation for being probably the most accurate bonded bullet on average out there. So that is very popular with guys that are elk hunting out west, where you need something that's going to work really well at you know 400 yards or 500 yards or something. Well, if you're spending thousands of dollars for one hunt, mm-hmm. you know what is sixty dollars for a box of bullets? That's right. Yep. Yeah. And so it has. That's it's the more, way you have to look at it. Is yeah, and that's because that's people want to. Yeah. I dude, I heard a guy bitching about when the duck stamp went up to. I think it was fifteen dollars for a long time. Then it, what, what did it go up to? Twenty, twenty-five bucks. I don't remember. But the year that went up, I was standing in line at an academy, and this dude was bitching about the duck stamp going up. Mm-hmm. Well, everything else in the world had gone up, and the duck stamp had been the same, whatever it was, you know, for a long time for twenty yeah. something years. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I just thought in my mind, I was like, "You're going to leave here, and you're going to go to McDonald's, and you're going to buy a five dollar hamburger, or you're going to." He looked like he smoked cigarettes. I was like, "He's going to go buy a pack of cigarettes." And he's bitching over five bucks to fund conservation. And I'm just like, well, you know, but think about all the money he spent on gear. Mm-hmm. And yet we're going to complain about five bucks. So kind of just the same mindset of, you know, what's a, what's a few extra dollars if you know you're going to get the best performance on the market. Yeah, that's right. And that's why that bullet is so popular among guys hunting elk for mm-hmm. instance, because it works really well with it. It's accurate, better at extended range than something like the fusion is, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's, that's the market that they really cater to. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you can use an Acubon to shoot whitetail deer with here in East Texas and it'll work great, but it's, it's more expensive. And it's one of those things right. that you don't really need that bullet to do that sure. with. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, get your core locked or whatever it is, or your fusion for, for those perfectly fine it's funny though and it's not i don't think it's corelock's fault like you know with that axis deer i lost but i never bought another box of it because it leaves a bad taste in your mouth right mm-hmm. um even if it's your own fault you're like wow that one like i said i think i made a good shot maybe i didn't he was still alive but i know which bullet i was shooting and so in the back of your mind you lose confidence in that and confidence is key when when yeah. whether it's with a with a rifle or a bow like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the first thing i did what after i shot an elk in the shoulder uh with a bow and didn't get penetration was well i need a heavier bow and i need a strong you know i need to up my <laughs> yep. i need to get, go from 100 grain broadhead to 125 and i did all those things right because it was about confidence mm-hmm. so and so the next sort of deal other type of bullet uh, uh that uh, is very popular these days and becoming more popular is the copper stuff mm-hmm. you know, um these bullets, instead of having a lead core and a copper jacket, they are usually either solid copper or a gilding metal, some sort of copper alloy. Uh, first one that comes to mind is all the stuff made by Barnes. The Barnes TSX, TTSX, mm-hmm. LRX, those are all copper bullets. Federal makes their trophy copper. Winchester makes the copper impact in their deer season XP line. Federal even makes a copper uh, power shock. So there's a lot more stuff out there than there used to be, but it's all more expensive. Yeah. But bottom line with this stuff, you have a traditional bullet shape with it. and But since it's monolithic, once again, you don't have that core. So you have some sort of mechanism in it where it is designed to have a rear shank that does not expand at all. And then you'll have some pedals that peel back at the front. So showing you here, 
This is a Barnes TTSX, 120 mm -hmm. grain, six five Creedmoor, and so you see with it. I'll show. We can see a little bit better. You got that long shank, and then the front, you know, third of it, front half, depending on the bullet, will peel back out into. Let's see here, one, two, three, four pedals, sometimes more, uh, but something like that. So what is so, your issue with that? Uh, that was one I actually just shot into ballistic gel. Okay. Uh, so the thing with Barnes bullets, copper bullets in general, but I've shot a lot of stuff with Barnes bullets, is they tend to penetrate great because you're going to get usually either close to or 100% weight retention, getting 98% weight retention with those bullets because it's just copper. The, those pedals will peel back, but usually not break off. They tend to penetrate great. So I don't recover a lot of bullets from animals that I've that I've shot with barns. They'll usually go in one side and out the other. But you'll get off, oftentimes uh, two times your original diameter expansion with them too. And they tend so to what expand. what made you decide, I mean, the places that you've hunted, mm -hmm. lead ammunition is legal. Mm -hmm. So was it just kind of a... T and E, like you wanted to see how they performed, so you you bought some, or like w what made you decide I'm going to shoot? Because you said you've shot a lot of stuff with Barnes, that obviously they're well known for uh, mm -hmm. copper bullets. Yep. So what made you decide I'm going to start shooting animals with copper? It was a good question. So I hunt with both lead and copper, right? Part of the job is a lot of T and E, like you mm -hmm. said. I like copper stuff, and really, it's a lot of personal preference. When I first got into this game, I leaned very heavily on the Africa side of things. And Barnes bullets, along with stuff like the Partition and the Swift A-frame, are the gold standard with a lot of guides over there because they penetrate so darn well. You show up into uh, camp to hunt Kudu with 180-grain Barnes TTSX or to hunt Cape Buffalo with a 300 grain TSX and a 375, your guide is going to be like, all right, that's perfect. That's a great mm -hmm. bullet to use because they're going to they're going to expand really well and they're going to cause a lot of damage to that animal, but they're also going to penetrate with it really well too. So you can count on it to reach the vitals for from basically any reasonable shot angle and depending on the animal and all of that stuff, likely even exit to and make it a little bit easier to track. And so I went into things say 10 years ago, as I started getting more serious into this with that kind of my mindset, the Barnes bullets are really good. The same reasons that make them popular among guys in Africa, make them very popular with outfitters for animals like elk here in the United States. And they just have that sort of reputation too. Once again, you show up into elk camp with a 300 wind mag with Barnes TTSX bullets, that guy just probably gonna be like, okay, this guy, this guy's, mm -hmm. you know, well set up for it. And so They've always had a really good reputation for stuff at the bigger end of the spectrum like that. As lead stuff has lead bullets have become more popular for a variety of reasons over the last few years. Would the number start... one reason be cost? Uh, well, Co cost, cost and availability would probably be one A and one B, right? Cost is the, uh, the biggest downside of these bullets. You're absolutely no, right. No, I was talking about yeah. lead bullets. Like, Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. I mean, that's why people shoot like primarily or why people wouldn't shift to copper right mm -hmm. yeah cost being the number one reason if you go back say 30 years ago barnes bullets would have problems with accuracy sometimes mm -hmm. just because you know, just the nature of copper it's harder and it just it behaves differently and so they had to they made some changes to it that made it more consistent more accurate you get less fouling and now gosh i mean some of the best shooting stuff i've ever shot say in my 300 win mag that i keep talking about 
has been 180 grain Barnes TTSX. You know, mm. it shoots great, it works great, all that stuff. So cost being a big downside of them. Another downside of them is that because they are so tough, they need more velocity to expand well. So usually with most cartridges, you're going to be running into this problem at a long enough range that's not going to matter for most people. But uh, if you run the numbers on a lot of this stuff, say like three, I was looking at my 300 wind mag, it drops below what Barnes recommends for a minimum impact velocity at about 650 yards. And so if you shoot something at 700 yards with it, it's not going to be going fast enough. Say that regular Barnes TTSX is probably not going to be going fast enough to expand really well. And it'll just quote unquote pencil through without expanding. It might still kill the animal. It'll penetrate well, but it's not going to cause a lot of damage. And so they tend to work best at closer range. Shoot something at 350, 400 yards with it. still going to be great. It's like I said, it's not a problem for most people. But if you're really getting out there, that's one of those things that you need to be careful about. Um, some of the really old Barnes bullets also had problems sometimes where if you hit it at a weird angle, it wouldn't expand or something, but now you don't hear those problems hardly at all anymore. Um, and as the technology has become more and more advanced and more and more people are starting to use it, you start to see other choices out there and the cost is starting to come down. It's still more expensive than leg core stuff, but it's better than it used to be. So you see stuff like the Nassler E-tip. Uh, Federal Trophy Copper, Hornady CX. They used to make the GMX. The CX is what they make now. It's basically that, just a, a little bit more refined. Mm -hmm. uh, the the Winchester stuff, all of that. And so it's just uh, uh, it's just different than, than it used to be. And you got a lot more choices and all that. Still not as cheap and still not as common as lead core ammo, but it's a whole lot better than it used to be even 10 years ago. Well, we'll see how the future plays out for copper. Because like I said... You've got politicians and uh, environmentalists and all this other people yelling about lead shot. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I always go back to the fact that we don't manage wildlife on a, an individual level. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a population level. So at the end of the day, if everyone's buying lead shot and lead shot is affordable and readily available, and that's pumping money into the Pittman Robertson fund uh, because you will price people out. Like if you say, okay, um, $20 boxes of Remington core lock, no longer available because lead shots banned. Now you have to go buy a $60 box of Barnes copper. Well, people are going to be like, mm, I, you know what? Uh, hunting just got a little too expensive for my blood. Mm -hmm. A lot of people listening to this show be like, I would never, I would never quit hunting, but just like the guy that was bitching about the $5 for the duck stamp, people prioritize things differently. Um, and maybe you say, well, you know, I'm still going to buy some, but I can't afford to teach my, my, my son to hunt. Uh, that 243 copper is just too expensive. So sorry, yep. buddy. We're not, so it, the point is we're not, we're no longer buying as much ammunition because it's more expensive. And if you told Hornady and federal and, uh, Winchester that hey everything now has to be oh my god and think about the two two three guys mm. like that are just uh target shooters that like, like to go out on the weekends and just you know blow through 500 rounds and through their ar hey that's great too you're still buying uh i love those guys you're, you're supporting the Pittman robertson funny even if you don't hunt so but now you've got to buy copper bullets because lead shots illegal 
those guys aren't they're probably the first ones are gonna be like oh, i'm out no i'm just gonna buy enough for home defense and that's it but all that recreational shooting we used to do can't afford to do that anymore i remember when i read in the news this is all the way back in 2012 that california the california legislature had just passed uh the law that would require all hunters moving forward to hunt with lead-free ammo and i thought oh my god this is this is going to be it. And I remember 2017 when that law took effect. So in California, you can still shoot with lead core ammo, but you cannot hunt anything mm-hmm. with anything other than copper stuff. So hunting small games, so even your 22 long rifle, all your shotgun, all your center fire rifle, all that stuff. If you're hunting anything, got to be lead free ammo. And it's one of these things that I like using copper ammo sometimes because I like it and it works well for me. It would really make me mad if someone was making me use that ammo. Mm-hmm. Even if it still worked really well and, and all of that stuff, for all the reasons that you just listed, uh, I you get out of the scientific-based uh, stuff with, with wildlife management, people making uh, emotional-based decisions, or just either one, out of ignorance, or two, just people doing things that are just flat-out malicious in order to hunt the, hunt, hurt the hunting community. That stuff really makes me mad. Mm-hmm. And so I do sympathize with people that feel that way, and... Um, like I said, I go back and forth and I hunt with different things that lead core and lead free and all of that stuff. I tend to lean more towards the copper ammunition myself, but that's my personal preference. And I don't right. begrudge anybody that wants to do anything else. And I would never want to, I would never advocate forcing anyone to do yeah. that. And it makes me mad when other people do. Well, yeah, the, going back to the actual science, like there's, there's no data that supports we need to go to, uh, non-toxic shot for rifle bullets they're just flat out isn't okay you know ducks are ingesting lead well let's let's change that up because on a population level it's affecting the population um that is not how much lead would a freaking black bear have to actually eat that's preying on a gut pile of a white-tailed deer and if that one black bear somehow ate enough to where it was fatal okay that's one bear out of a population of whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, across the lower 48 it's in the millions of black bears uh that's that doesn't warrant it because we are selling so much lead shot and that's supporting not just black bear habitat but wildlife habitat across the board mm-hmm. so and, and funding the agencies that manage and protect those species across the board so that's where where i always draw the line is if you can show me the science it says, hey, you know, the population of black bears really is declining because of hunters using lead shot. I'd be, I'd be the first one to say, you know what? It sucks, but we're going to, fellows, we're going to have to switch over and we're going to, and ladies, we're going to have to start shooting non-toxic shot. But that is just not the reality. That's not the world we live in. The, the data doesn't support it. So I'm not going to agree to it being forced down our throats just because of, uh, you know, from a political or uh, environmental yahoo saying we we got to do this you know there's talk and speculation about you know what sort of effects you know lead could have on people right you know you shoot a deer uh with a lead core projectile and you get lead in the meat and you ingest a little bit of it is it going to hurt you you know some people a lot of people were actually first off one there's no evidence to say that you're dealing with any population level issues with Mm. with that um and so as far as I know, that's where things stand with it. I personally would rather have less meat lead in my meat, uh, than more. 
And so I tend to shoot stuff behind the shoulder if I'm using a lead core projectile or use a copper projectile. But once again, that is me. And that's more of just a personal feeling than a, uh, uh, a, a very strong uh, held a, a, a way of thinking about. So about you're going to die from lead poisoning long after I do, because on, <laughs> on any any trophy, I'm always shoot them in the shoulder, mm -hmm. drop them right there. I don't unless it's a doe. Like I don't I don't shoot. I don't really shoot anything behind the shoulder anymore. It's all just. And when you go to Africa, your guy doesn't want you to shoot them behind the shoulder. They want you to put it take out the four-wheel drive disable those two front shoulders because most of the time if you have if you've chosen a proper bullet you're going to break the front shoulder and you're going to end up in the op opposite shoulder mm -hmm. and they're not going anywhere yep you put 180 grain barns from your 30.6 or 300 wind mag through the shoulder it's going to break both shoulders of that kudu or whatever mm -hmm. you shot and that's going to be the end of it mm -hmm. and so that that is how i look at things if you the nice thing about Good. But you said if you sh if you're using lead, you'll shoot them behind the shoulder. If I use lead, I typically uh, will. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, you know sometimes I don't always place that shot where I uh, where I want it to go, and all of that. And sometimes We've it's all not done given. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but like I said, that is why I tend to use more copper than anything else. Shot okay. pronghorn uh, just last year with a Hornady ELDX lead core uh, behind the shoulders, and man, it left a. Uh, horrific damage uh, to that animal's vitals and he ran 10 yards and, and that was the end of it and, and it was great no complaints whatsoever about yeah. that and i lost almost no meat from him wow that's a very uh that's a very gentle animal a pronghorn like uh there's not a lot there thin no. skin not they don't what what is a what does a pronghorn buck weigh 100 pounds i've heard 20 you know, 90% of what a white-tailed deer weighs. So, yeah, a 120-pound buck, I'll bet, is pretty, a pretty big-sized uh, pronghorn. Yeah. Oh. It's making me want to go hunt one. I haven't – it's been a few years. But, yeah, I know you love pronghorn. I think we talked it's, about that on the last – It's one of my favorite things to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, so I guess to just kind of sum it up, there isn't a wrong choice. It's just personal preference. Uh, but there is something to be said for the performance that uh, – the modern copper bullets do afford the big game hunter. Mm -hmm. So in uh it is the big game hunting blog. So here we go. There you go. That's right. <laughs> for, for bigger stuff. I think the copper stuff is really in its element less so with mm -hmm. the smaller stuff, but it, it still works really well. But you know, the bigger animals that you're hunting and the higher velocity impacts that you're having tougher bullets in general are better, whether that's mm -hmm. bonded core or whether that's copper, that's great. You can do it, as you uh, demonstrated, with just plain old cup and core stuff, but you might have some problems. You're more likely to have problems. So is like most that. of the dangerous game stuff on the market bonded? Yes. So like I, I used, for example, uh, on my Cape Buffalo hunt, uh, it was a 375 Ruger. I believe the bullets were maybe, th I think they were 300 grains. And yeah, you're using the Hornady, Hornady Dangerous Game. Dangerous Game, yeah. Uh -huh. Yep, that's the DGX bonded bullet is what they have. And so you're either, either using a bonded bullet or you're using a solid with their Dangerous Game solid bullets mm -hmm. like that. So they're almost all either bonded or they're solids or they are a copper projectile like a Barnes. Well, fascinating stuff today, John. Thanks for jumping on and educating us a little bit on the difference in uh, bullet construction types. Uh, you know, things have changed a lot. I think we evolve as hunters. When I first started, it's same with waterfowling. You know, I, I picked up the most affordable box of shells that I could find. And I lost a lot of ducks 
with those Winchester experts. I mean, the dog got a lot of work on cripples as well. <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, there, I, don't, I wouldn't say there's any wrong choices, but mm-hmm. there are some choices that are better than others for certain situations. We all can keep up with John by going to thebiggamehuntingblog.com. Lots of info there. Recommend you check that out. I have an email list where I talk about this stuff every day. Huntingguns101.com. Go there, sign up. You get a free ebook for me where I talk about this in a little bit more detail. And then you'll get the emails that I send out every weekday talking about hunting, ballistics, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of the cool things I do along with that podcast and the blog. So thanks a lot for having me on the show. It was an honor and a privilege to be here. Yeah, my pleasure as always. And uh, good luck this season. Hope you and your son find success, make some memories in New Mexico coming up here in the near future. Thanks a lot. Best of luck to you on your uh, coos deer hunt, too. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. All righty. So there he goes. Longtime friend of the show, John McAdams of the Big Game Hunting Blog. Uh, that segment of the presentation brought to you by the Armasite 640 Thermal Contractor. Here's the cool thing. The 640 and its little brother, the 320, are right now through the end of the year uh, only. You can save 10% when you pick one up because Armasite is offering an instant 10% rebate. And when you're talking about scopes that are in the thousands of dollars, that is a nice chunk of change. You can find the uh, Armasite contractor series right there at armasite.com. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to both of our guests, uh, my lovely bride, Aaron, as well as John. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time. I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors.